The Publications Committee of SNMA wants to feature medical students, residents, and attendings who are involved in SNMA and SNMA alumni. Please fill out the information below to possibly have your submission be featured on the SNMA website. You can send professional photos of yourself to publicationsvc at snma.org. They will contact you in two weeks in advance. If your submission is chosen, they will inform you when it will be published to the website. You will then be asked to confirm your current or previous SNMA membership at that time. For any questions or concerns, please email publicationsvc at snma.org. We are looking forward to hearing from you, and we hope to feature your many accomplishments in SNMA soon. Hello, everybody. Welcome to SNMA Presents the Lounge. And of course, to start up this episode, we always have to do our question of the day. So, hi, everyone. I'm student Dr. Isabella. And the question of the day is, as a pre-med medical student or physician, are you willing to date outside your field or profession? I'll go ahead and start. So, for me personally, I feel like I am willing to definitely do that because I think that with the demographic of men that I tend to be interested in, when they fall into the same profession as me, um, it's a hit or miss. It's a hit or miss for me. And I feel like I have had success with people who are in other fields that are different from mine. Um, Alden, I don't know where this energy is coming from that I'm seeing on my screen, but I stand by my opinion. And I just feel like, yeah, I, I think that it's also nice to just learn something new about things that you may not necessarily be familiar about because every day you're doing something that is very specific and siloed and not a lot of people who aren't in medicine know what goes on in medicine. And so it's just kind of nice to take a break and be like, oh, like I'm learning something new. This person's doing something different for me. And maybe I can take some of those things that they're telling me and incorporate that even into my own career or just the way that I live life. So, yep, that's my opinion, but I would like to know how you feel. Hey, <laughs> hey. She always got to bash us men, but you know, I'm going to let you live anyway. But I do agree with you. Uh, I think uh, it's important to date outside of your profession. It just depends on what your mentality, what your mental space is in. But for me, I've always tried to diversify my interests, relationships or not. I've dated people that were truckers, people that was in nursing, people that was in other alternative careers that we wouldn't consider professional, but to me, they was professional. We'll keep it at that. And for me, I think um, keeping an open mind is very important. Medicine is a very stressful field. But when you have somebody that could take you away from studying and getting on that grind, being in the hospital, and help you be encouraged in a different sense of the word, I think that's a beautiful thing to behold. So y'all shoot y'all shot out there. Like there's 4 billion women and 4 billion men out there and et cetera, et cetera, mm. that's out there. So put yourself out there. You never know who's going to bless you. It's not about the profession anymore. It's not about the six figures. It's not about the six other things that we can mention on the podcast. What it's really about is compatibility and you right. feeling great about yourself and great about the person that you're with. And that profession does not necessarily mean less or more than what you could feel. Right. So be open minded, love, cherish yourself and love who you're going to be with. You feel okay. That? Okay. That's a uh, that's a nice response. I'm here for it. <laughs> Speaking of love, y'all know what time it is. Y'all got to love this section as we always bring the heat because it's getting hot like a chimney. Okay. I'm feeling like Ric Flair. Can I do another one? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I know what time it is. Go ahead, go ahead, love. Run the list for our pre-medical students. Running the patient list on the wards allows the team to address pressing matters of the day. In this segment of the show, we'll be discussing some recent events in medicine affecting our communities and the populations we serve. And with that being said, it's February. You know, we got to mm -hmm. celebrate blackity, blackity, black. No matter what people say, it's Black History Month. I remember when I was in medical school, one of my classmates she said, what's the point of Black History Month? I don't condone mm -hmm. violence, but in that setting, I want it to be very violent. But I'm going to keep it at this, right? 
-hmm. Black History Month. We celebrate Black History Month because we have historically dealt with oppression, racism, institutionalization mm -hmm. of black and brown bodies from Dr. Marion Sims to the taking advantage of the Mississippi appendectomy. You could go down the whole list, right? We know that right. the black power that we have in ourselves and our DNA and our genetics has allowed us to be resilient, has allowed us to be the most successful individuals that society has ever known. And so I want you all to tap into this in this Black History Month. Celebrate who you are and you're a part of history. Not history wasn't just in the past. Like right now is history. So what you're doing, what you are committing to, what you are protecting for your progeny and for where you are right now, it's the most beautiful thing to behold. And with that being said, we're going to talk about some notable black physicians and health professionals. The first one being Dr. Charles Drew, who was a pioneer in developing a te technique that made it possible to store blood and use it for transfusions. And he found that plasma could be dried and then reconstituted which led to the invention of blood banking. I'm gonna let you know my sis talk about her person for Black History Month as well, and I got one too. But shout out to Andy. Okay. Period. Yes. Shout out to Dr. Charles Ooh. Drew, who also is the name on UCLA's um, HBCU component of their Amen. medical school. So you know we ha and at Howard University undergrad campus, we do have a Drew Hall that is the freshman boys dormitory. So you know Charles, Drew, Dr. Charles Drew, he's he's a pretty famous guy, and we we appreciate all the work he's done. For me, I have to highlight someone who's very alive, very well, very like in the grind of the medical space, but at the same time is kind of carving out her own path. She is a emergency medicine physician, which is the field that I am planning to apply into. I don't think I've ever said that on the podcast before, uh, which is crazy because, yeah, I just was, I've never told you guys like what I'm applying into, but that is my choice. I, <laughs> I have known for some time now, but, you know, I've kind of been just keeping it hush-hush with me doing the research fellowship and everything. But yeah, so I had to like bring out another EM sister. So Dr. Uche Blackstock is her name. She is... um someone who received her medical degree and her undergrad degree from Harvard University. She completed her EM residency at SUNY Downstate slash Kings County Hospital, where she was actually chief resident as well. And she completed a fellowship in EM ultrasound at St. Luke's Roosevelt Hospital. So she was in academic medicine, left in 2019 to focus time on just creating her own organization called Advancing Health Equity, in which she's the founder and CEO. And there she's pretty much just doing a lot of work trying to eradicate health uh, racial health inequities. She mm -hmm. also just recently um, came out with her own book titled Legacy, A Black Physician Reckons with Racism in Medicine. So she's just doing a lot of things. She's kind of like hitting the pavement and just really um, covering a lot of ground when it comes to medical uh, injustices and just kind of creating um, spaces for black people in medicine to thrive and for us to not feel like because we're black that we are limited in what we can do. So shout out to Dr. Uche Blackstock. Shout out to Dr. Blastock. I also noticed, like, I didn't even peep until you said her bio, but she went to Harvard for undergrad and med school, but then she went right into the hood in Brooklyn, SUNY Downstate, yeah. and then did a residency program at a non-Ivy League program. And I'm just saying that to say, like, for all y'all out there, it doesn't matter where you are, what school you go to, all that matters is that you become that physician you envision yourself to be and be in the spaces where you could continuously heal. And I feel like I'm really connected to her mission and her purpose and mm -hmm. being able to expose racism in medicine, mm -hmm. especially during this month. Fantastic book. Make sure y'all cop that. I'm gonna definitely cop that. Yeah, I have it in my Spotify audiobooks right now. I'm gonna listen to it because it I kept seeing it, but I was like, oh, I didn't I didn't click to me that she made the book. I'll send it to you. It's I have the premium account, so I can like listen to up to 15 hours free of audiobooks uh on Spotify. So that's a fact. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of racism, you know, our, our last person for Black History Month is Dr. Chester Pierce, who uh is a psychiatrist who is well beloved in an organization that I love. And I uh, represent the Black Psychiatrists of America. He was uh, one of the first Black athletes to uh, play football uh, in a all-white uh, dominant school uh, south of the Mason-Dixon line in 1940. Actually, he went to Harvard College, and they petitioned for him to be able to play in that football game. And at the behest of his coaches and the rest of his teammates, they were able to successfully make that happen, despite the terroristic threats that he was receiving from a lot of the communities in the Northeast and in the South. He still made his way there, knowing fully possible that he could be endangered and also uh, receive some type of antagonistic actions toward him. And then he you know, the later developed so many different things within the realm of uh, psychiatry. In specific, he was the first one to uh, note microaggression as a term, a term mm. that Dr. Blastock potentially 
as mentioned in her book, I'm sure. But microaggression, as you guys uh, may or may not know, is a term that means when you're experiencing multiple cuts and wounds throughout the experience of being in whatever industry that you are as a p person of color or as a person of minoritized and marginalized communities and how that cut can seep deep wounds into you and cause a disastrous effect in terms of trauma, in terms of behavior toward the world. And so microaggression right. is something that we don't necessarily feel directly in that sense uh, directly, but we do develop over time and that can cause uh, significant events. So shout out to Dr. Chester Pierce. And then he also was involved in the creation of Sesame Street, which was built to create an integrative society for everyone and make everyone inclusive, especially during the time of the 1970s. And it's one of the longest running shows to this day. And um, I'm incredibly proud to uh, be part of his historic legacy and learn from him. Right. Love it, love it, love it. Well, happy Black History Month to all of our listeners. And we hope that you guys can identify some figures as well that you admire who kind of have been hitting the pavement running when it comes to just being Black, beautiful, and excellent. That's a fact. But what has not been excellent was that three immigrant soldiers were killed in Jordan uh, earlier this month. Unfortunately, mm. three Black soldiers who were representing uh, there was a drone attack on the U.S. military outpost in Jordan. Uh, Sergeant Williams Rivers, age 46, of Carrollton, Georgia. Specialist Kenny Sanders, 24, of Wake uh, Cross, Georgia. And Specialist Brianna Moffitt of Savannah, Georgia, uh, unfortunately, were killed. Um, and it's probably one of the first times that a drone has actually been able to come on an actual American base, no matter where around the world, and attack uh, individuals, uh, more than 40 people were actually injured in the attack. And um, um, unfortunately, um, these three uh, servicemen lost their lives in this process. Uh, these three beautiful black people. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, they were, you know, um, when, when I think about situations like this, you know, it reminds me that we're in a constant space of violence and hatred and antagonism in our society, in our world today, whether we talk about Ghana, right. whether we talk about what's going on in Sudan, Congo. And um, it's it's a very hurtful thing, you know, um, to know that you're putting your life out there and uh, you're not, your life isn't necessarily respected. You know, there's no mm -hmm. sort of diplomacy. Right? You could get up, walk out and, you know, lose your life. And for these ind individuals, unfortunately, that's what had happened. And this is in the, at the behest of the United States, which continued to significantly uh, escalate a lot of their attacks. Um, but what has been noted is that roughly 165 attacks have been on U.S. and coalition forces since October 17th, and things mm -hmm. continue to worsen. Uh, when we talk about Iran, Iraq, Syria, it's just a whole complex mess uh, in regards to um, trying to uh, stabilize the Middle East. Uh, but right. what are your thoughts on uh, what's going on uh, with this attack and what does it mean to the stability of the American militia forces? Uh, for yeah, for sure. I definitely think that it's important to just highlight the fact that these three people who were injured or sorry, not injured, killed, <laughs> excuse me, um, that they were human beings first and foremost, right, mm -hmm. with like their own personal lives and personal motivations of wanting to be a part of this the military um i thought it was really heartwarming to kind of see the mother talk about um one of her daughters which was um mofet the one of the sergeant's last name mofet the mom she just kind of talked about how like sh her daughter was a second female in the family to join the military and like she was very proud of that because she was kind of like going on that legacy um and just the fact that like she the last time they spoke that she was just asking for her to send a package that had like a real estate book, some clothes, and even mm -hmm. making sure that she doesn't forget to include a strawberry shortcake snack. Like, yeah. I just feel like those things are just, it's, it's just so humanly for somebody to just care about something like that, knowing that they're also serving such a big purpose, which is trying to serve our country and protect the lives of Americans. And so it just, it was really, um, it was honestly kind of bittersweet to just see that yes, their lives were lost and that, um, they they didn't get to see tomorrow with, at such young ages, but that there was a purpose behind their story. There was a purpose behind like why they enlisted and um, that they're receiving the proper reverence that they deserve. But the, also to that, we're like, we're not forgetting their humanity as well. And I think that's very important to note. So at least for me, it's like, um, I think it's very hard. My, my, 
my idea about black people in the military is always going to veer towards the negative in my opinion, just because uh-huh. I feel like our early history in this country, right. we weren't even really looked as human beings. So the fact that we put our people, put their bodies on the line for this country, even though we didn't even have that appreciation. Um, I, I, I'm somebody who veers more towards, I'm not a supporter of black people enlisting, but I recognize that everybody has their own um, reasons for doing it. And for some people, that was a good choice that they're happy making. And so for other people, maybe they have regrets. For other people, that's just what they had to do. And so I try not to, um, yeah, I try not to judge people's choices. But I would say for me personally, I don't know if I'd be the parent that would encourage my kids to enlist just because of my, the complicated history that Black people have in this country. And yeah, that's kind of what I would say on on the matter. She said what she said. I agree with you, honey, the whole heart. <laughs> I did say what I said. Lives were lost, but mm-hmm. I do feel like we have to tackle the historic racism that many Blacks face, in, even in entering the armed militia forces, having separate groups for the forces. Being at the front line, when we talk about World War um, One and World War Two, they actually mm-hmm. sent Black soldiers as the front line, and they were the ones that were devastated casualty-wise because of right. that. Um, even barring them from reaching higher uh, ranks as well. I mean, there's so many mm-hmm. things that we, we could even talk about and delve into this, but mm-hmm. that's beyond the scope of this podcast episode today. Um, rest yeah. in peace to the three individuals named. And, uh, you know, still shout out to the soldiers that's representing, holding down overseas and even domestically as well. Yep, 100%. And, you know, I think that, you know, we're talking about Black people's history with America when it comes to just like, whether or not we're appreciated, respected, and all of these things. And I feel like, especially from a medical standpoint, Black people have a very complicated history in medicine as well when it comes to, you know, trusting their providers or feeling like their health is respected and um, valued. And I think it's important to note that this month, February is American Heart Month. Mm -hmm. And um, when we talk about the heart, right, the heart controls so many things in our body. It, it, you know, it is the bane of how we're able to pump blood throughout our system to allow us to just do functions, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Of course, the brain is up there, but the heart also holds so much value as well. And there's so many conditions that can, you said what? The brain is better. Yes, the brain, without the brain, you will not be who you are, 100%. Um, but I do feel like people do undermine the heart because the heart, when you have heart issues, that can really mess up a lot of other things too in sure. your life. So we got, because it's heart, American Heart Month for February, we're going to shout out the heart this month, right? We're going to let the brain say to the side, let's talk about the heart this month. Okay. <laughs> but like, what are some things that happen to the heart, right? There is like congenital heart disease. There's mm-hmm. like arrhythmias. There's atherosclerosis. There's coronary heart, um, heart disease. Heart failure is a huge one. When I was on my cardiology rotation, heart failure, heart failure, heart failure. Like that's a big mm-hmm. one. Um, peripheral artery disease. So it, it, you know, there's a lot of things that happen to the oh, heart yeah. or just the, or the, what, what did, what did you say? No, I said rheumatic disease. Oh, rheumatic heart disease. Yeah, exactly. So according to the CDC, heart disease is, is the leading cause of death among men, women, and people of most racial and ethnic groups <laughs> in the United States. Mm-hmm. Coronary heart disease is the most common type of heart disease killing almost 400,000 people in 2021. And about one in 20 adults age 20 and older have coronary artery disease um i think it's important to highlight women because women in the united states are experiencing avoidable heart-related disease and death and over half of u.s women do not recognize that heart disease is the leading cause of death for women um i think it's also important to know too that like when it comes to like a myocardial infarction also known as a heart attack that a lot of women present differently and with symptoms that aren't as recognizable when you would see it in a man so this is I think a great time to kind of highlight the ways that we can really be cognizant about our heart health and what is it that we can do to prevent these issues. I don't know if Alden, if there's anything you can speak to about things that people can do as our resident doctor to prevent heart related issues. Okay. Listen, I, you know, I got, I got one more year and some change, so I'm not going to say no, but I feel like you might have a little bit more tidbits that you can give, give the listeners. Yeah, I think, there's there's many of them, but some of the things that I think are very controllable and modifiable, as they call it, something that you can modify directly. 
So mm -hmm. isolation is one of them, right? Uh, I recently did a reel or whatever. And most Americans feel some sense of isolation, but there is a protective barrier that happens when you socialize with others. Because think about it, for most of human history, humans have been civilized to socialize with each and each other. And now what we're saying right. is that everyone's going to the crib, laying down, watching Netflix, being in the, their own world. But there's positive hormones and there's positive chemical, neurochemical benefits that happen when you socialize with others. Another thing is exercise. So you don't gotta be in a weight room working out for two hours, you know, a day, right? 30 minutes an hour will set you a good pace in terms of uh, having positive health benefits for your heart. As long as you get right. your cardiac rate up to a certain extent, right? Anywhere between 100, 100 to 150, and you do that for 30 minutes to an hour a day, for five days a week, you're good. And it doesn't have to be something so, ex, you know, uh, physically um, um, uh, strenuous. It could be a simple right. walk in the park, right? A simple, like you get on, like I have an elliptical at the crib. So I get on an elliptical and I'm playing my PS4 and I used to do this in med school. Like I would jog in place while reading my slides. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and I'll say it out loud. Like, so for y'all that's in med school, y'all could try that out if you want to, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, another thing is your diet. So. A lot of times, unfortunately, in our American diet, we have a lot of saturated and trans fats, and we don't necessarily, you know, um, look at what is the component of what's going on. In other countries like Europe and Africa, we have more of a natural sense of what's going on with the foods. Like they use mm -hmm. less chemicals, less pesticides. They don't use steroids, which also increases your risk for heart attack as well. Right. Um, but the thing with the diet is the Mediterranean diet is among the most studied diets and continues to be widely came for its health benefits. So which includes like, you know, peas and fish, right? A lot of like seafood, like, you know, um, things, right? And rice mm -hmm. can be included in that if you want as well. So your diet really, you know, matters, you know, um, in America, we have so much accessibility to fast food nowadays and fast mm -hmm. food is akin to slowly killing yourself. So you are what you eat. Right. And right. there's a study that showed like 40 to 50 percent of people actually ingest fast food three to four times a week. You know what I mean? Mm. So people don't even realize like a lot of these things that you're ingesting, they're actually going kind of grain uh, against what it means to truly be healthy. So heart health is very important. Like you mentioned, heart, the heart is connected to your kidneys, your stomach, your brain. So it increases your risk for a whole host of diseases in all of these mm -hmm. different areas. So take care of your heart and you truly are taking care of yourself. A hundred percent. We got to keep all the organs functioning and in tip top shape. And, you know, it's just funny that we're already talking about medicine. We're talking about being aware of our awareness month. And this time of the year is actually very important in medicine. It's not just heart month, but it's also match season coming up very soon. Um, it's <laughs> next month. <laughs> so shout out to all the MS force, technically my class who I would have been graduating with this year, but I said, you know what? I need to take a mental health year. I need to take a break. I'm not trying to hip stop and run into residency. I'm like, residency is always going to be there. I don't need to rush there. So, you know, I, I gave myself a little bit of a break. And so uh, shout out to the class of 2024 who is soon going to be preparing for the match i have seen a couple of my classmates recently and you know everybody's a little bit antsy about what they're going to see in that envelope come march um but i think it is important to note that there's a part of the match that a lot of people don't really discuss which is the couples match and you know i personally never really did too much investigation into couples match before because i was like well i mean i didn't necessarily know if I was ever going to be with anybody that was in medicine or ever you have to care about it. I mean, I'm still in that position. Yeah, so right. thankfully that's not something I need to worry about because from what I've heard, couples match is something that is an extra step. And I found out recently that with couples match, it's like when you are putting your application to match, you're not being seen as just like an individual, but you're seen, being seen as like a couple. So if you don't match the right. other person, not go match, right? Yeah. That that's that's a that's a gamble like you better make sure you with somebody who was on their p's and q's during med school because i'll be damned <laughs> excuse my french i will be damned if, hey, if i don't love, 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 love what love conquers all so what what is your perspective on couples match because i know that that is not my perspective that love conquers all love does not conquer my student loans love does not conquer my career 
Okay, they, there's a lot of things that love is not going to conquer. That they look at for residencies, so they know it's all about being in a position where they know you're going to be supported. So typically, people that couples match, they're more likely mm-hmm. to if they are in the same field, despite the rigors of residency, they'll be able to hold each other accountable, support, encourage mm-hmm. each other through their darkest moments. And a lot of times that's what residency looks at. They look at geographic location. They look at these, again, modifiable factors that are surrounding an individual. And even for me, like when I was going through the match um, the first time, I actually was going to um, do couples match with uh, somebody. We Stop, actually- stop capping oh, on this podcast. You were going to couple match lying, before? Yo, I would die right now. I would die right now. Yo. What? Okay, yo, I, me, I rebuke that. Nobody's dying as, as long as I'm we're on this saying, episode. Like, I'm just saying, like, it wasn't, it wasn't somebody I technically was a couple with, but, you know, me and her, we was cool. Like, shout out, you know, I still love you. you know, we don't talk. No so, wait, you were legitimately going to couples match with a girl the first time around? Yeah, yeah, I was. We was talking about it, like, for real, for real. Like, but then we didn't understand, and then we had arguments and all this stuff. You don't have to go into that. Mm. But the fact of the matter is that couples matching, you know, merges two people's lists into, the, into one. Yep. So rather than a single list per individual, it becomes a list with two columns. You know what I'm saying? So the programs combine, you know, these two lists and then they're ranked. Uh, you you rank the programs in the order that you desire. So some people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we have a, um, a website here that uh, recommends that uh, a strategy is uh, go to areas where there are multiple programs that you guys may be interested in. So for, for many, when you're going through the couples match, you may not be in the same field. So OBGYN, you might have plastic surgery, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So typically, although you may be interested in rural areas, there's going to be places where your residency programs are going to be, you know, multiplied, like New York City, Miami, L.A., Newark, you know, random places like that where, you know, it's an right. urban environment and you have a lot of opportunities. So you have a good spread. So one of the things we recommend is going to a big city where you can maximize your effort. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing is um, if you felt strongly about one program than the other while you're discussing this with your uh, significant other, you look at the goals. What are your goals for each other, like in terms of accomplishing residency? Because when you're going through the match, it's like, y'all both got to rank it together. It's not a single thing. It's like, yo, what's the, you know, we're going to try to maximize it. So although you guys independently can rank your programs, right? You could also, right. you know, you could rank it differently, but it probably is, you know, it probably is smarter to rank them similar, similarly, because based off of the al- algorithms, you are mm-hmm. in the position of advantage, right? So if you guys both rank a program, number one, you know, you increase your chances of both going there. Now, there's no perfect program, as people know, and you're not mm-hmm. going to get everything out of every program, but communication is so key while discussing, um, you know, the rank list while, you know, being uh, with your significant other. And it's a very personal decision. And I think also we got to take into account, uh, even if someone is not, you know, ranking the list similarly to their significant other, not to get tight, not to get mad at them. You know, everyone has to make a decision that's best for them. But you also got to be inclusive of your partner, in my personal opinion. I mean, right. Yeah, I definitely think that, like, it it does add a twist to the match. And, like, according to you, love conquers all. Others may even say that love is actually blind. And there is a show that is already highlighting whether or not love is blind. Okay, so do you... I'm not sure. I'm not sure how familiar you are with Love Is Blind. Are you familiar with Love Is Blind, Alden? Like I'm you watch episodes, it, but I'm gonna let you familiarize myself with it because I've been seeing this all over on a my, the group that I'm uh, in, Young Black American Doctors on Facebook. You have over seventeen right. people on it. They always talking right. about this show. Please let me know. I haven't watched it like that, but you know, I'll listen right. just for now. Y'all don't right. hate me. Right. No hate. Yes. Yes. It's okay. It's okay. I'll I'll take one for the team because I've watched every single season of Love is Blind. I have actually just watched the episodes that came out a few hours ago this same day. So you can tell that I have a problem. I have a bit of a problem when it comes to that show. Um, So just to kind of give a rundown, what is Love is Blind? So it is a social experiment where we have single men and women who are looking for love and also getting engaged without seeing each other in person at all and they're literally dating through these pods where there is a wall in between them and you cannot see these people right so it is essentially blind dating like but on a grander scale in the public eye so um 
yes, there is going to be a spoiler alert because if you have not watched the show and you feel like you want to watch the show and you don't want to hear any feedback or comments about characters, I would suggest you skip through this segment into whatever we talk about next. However, let's go back to the show. So this season, um, I would say in terms of its run, I think that Love is Blind started really strong with uh, the like America's popular couple at the time when it came out, um, Lauren and Cameron. Lauren being a black woman, Cameron being a white man. Um, but there was something so electric about their chemistry. I think that everybody fell in love with them. I fell in love with them as well. And so they kind of set the tone, I think, for people actually wanting to watch the show. Now, mm. I would say that as seasons kept going on, there were some very low quality seasons where people really came there for the spotlight or came there for the clout, not mm. really there to actually find love. Now, this season is particularly interesting. And I think what makes it interesting is that the plot twists are very, very um unexpected like what ends up happening is like far from what you would expect when you're first watching it and it seems like there's a lot more people who are coming onto the show who were assuming that they believe that love is blind but in reality they actually are as vain as you can imagine them to be like they <laughs> care about looks a lot more than they let on and so when they actually see the person mm. they are being very um trying to be diplomatic about how they feel so i will give some example two main um couples that i think are very popular is ad and clay as well as jimmy and chelsea so ad and clay is interesting because they are a black couple right it, it's giving black excellence it's giving like black beauty whatever but um clay makes a very yeah. interesting mm-hmm. comment he, he did you you said something i just said black love oh okay okay i wasn't sure if he was already making the comments i was like let me let me let me lay out my point first before because <laughs> you know with you all that i was gonna be careful <laughs> so clay he literally makes a comment during the pause and he says oh um you know, honestly, in order for me to propose to any girl, I would have to see or have an idea of how she looks like. And it's kind of like, wait, bro, but you're on Love is Blind. Like, how does that work? Like, you just, you you came onto a show that's about meeting somebody and loving them for who they are on the inside without any concern about their looks. And you're telling her, oh, I need to kind of get an idea of what she looked like. So that did kind of put a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth. Somehow they came out of it. I guess he apologized for it and they moved forward. So they did get engaged. Um, we're going to continue to see how their relationship plays out. I, I don't know. I, I'm honestly, I want it to work because they are a black couple, but at the same time, I don't condone toxicity and a man who needs to be, be in therapy rather than being engaged. So I feel like I'm going to let that play out. Now, Jimmy and Chelsea, Jimmy and Chelsea is a very interesting couple. I didn't expect to be as invested in them as I was. However, the similar situation happened between them where Jimmy was dating this, was dating this one woman who is a single mom. And so she has a daughter who's 10 years old. However, I think she's only like a year or two years older than Jimmy. And he was dating another girl seriously named Chelsea. And she was just ma- married in the past, but she doesn't have like any kids or anything like that. But it was very, very clear to everybody, right? That like Jimmy and um, Jessica were a much better match compared to Jimmy and Chelsea. However, because once she gives out the news that she's a single mom, Jimmy kind of like, in my opinion, it seems like he's unsure, even though he says that it's not a deal breaker for him. But I feel like from that point on, he gets a little bit like nervous and double guessing, like, or double like thinking, like, should I really end up with her? But he doesn't really, he's not really forthcoming about it. Now with Chelsea, Chelsea, um, she is very clearly much a better match with this other guy named Trevor. But I think what it is, is that it's very clear to everybody that Jessica is conventional. Like if we want to talk about like what society would say is more conventionally, physically attractive, Jessica would fit that bill more, maybe because she, like she has more of those um, physical attributes that people in our society today would say is more attractive. Right? I'm not going to say she looks better than Chelsea, but I would say that maybe to most people's eyes, they would say, oh, Jessica's clearly more of a, a, a catch than Chelsea. So Chelsea does make a little comment about Megan Fox and saying, mm-hmm. oh, like, you know, on, on flight, because she's a flight attendant. She's like, oh, on flights, um, I get told sometimes that, you know, I resemble Megan Fox. And it's very clear that Jimmy like gets this whole change in his like oh like I'll, can i marry you right now like it's so clear that he's vain but he's not trying to be forthcoming about it so now we're in a situation where jimmy rejects jessica 
Jessica reads him for filth, as she should, as a Capricorn queen should. And he ends up being engaged to Chelsea. But Chelsea's, to me, in my opinion, she's deeply insecure because she knows that at some point, Jimmy's going to figure out how Jessica looks like and she may not want her like in that want her as much as he did before so that is kind of like love is blind in a nutshell um but i want to or at least in terms of the current season but i want to kind of give you a chance to just tell me what is your perspective of blind dating like what is your perspective thus far of like what i've told you with the characters like do you have any huge opinions about about it go for it like i love it i mean i love the concept i don't watch the show um Mm. I just don't watch it, but I will say that I think that in a world where we have so much accessibility to dating through social media, through dating apps, why not switch the game up? You know, mm. why not find your love in a different way and, and connect to that? Now, with the vein stuff, I think that's that's crazy. Like, humble yourself, shorty. Mm. Hey, there's always going to be somebody that looks better than you, that is more fit than you, that has better. Blue eyes. But, but, who, but you said sh- you said shorty though. Who are you talking about? Because I said that the men are vain. Yeah, the that's men. what I'm saying. Like you call men oh, shorty, okay. shorty, however you feel. Like you know, okay. The first we'll say is the men. <laughs> the woman, right. women probably are vain there too. <laughs> you just not seeing mm. because your biased mind. You know. No, 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 no. You haven't watched the show yet. You haven't watched the episodes yet. <laughs> when you watch it, you let me know what it what is what it's giving. But yeah, keep going with your with your opinion. <laughs> Well, but like, I, um, after hearing that, honestly, I'm about to sign up for uh, Love is Blind mm-hmm. when they get on that show because I'm gonna switch the theme up. It sounded like they don't have <laughs> appropriate uh, <laughs> bachelors on the show, and okay, but now when, and when they see the doctor, they might start flipping out. When they see the doctor, Aldwin, who knows, they might start having heart palpitations. On my neck, okay. I'll be walking slow like Baywatch. You know what I'm saying? Heard you. And got the white coat. You know, pull that joint out. They're gonna see like, cause you start from the uh, feet up, right? So I'm gonna wear one of my suits <laughs> with the white coat down. You feel me? Like, Heard you. And then Crocs, so they know what's up. Okay. Period. Yeah. And I feel like with you know the whole show and the concept of the show, mm-hmm. what becomes difficult is that as you move through the characters the harder conversations have to kind of start happening. Right. So there was this other couple um, that they briefly discussed child planning and like what that would look like. Um, The man did say that he would rather be financially stable um, when he's having children rather than having them in the near future. And so I think that's a big testament to the importance, importance of contraception, especially in partnerships and marriage, whatever it may be. And it is actually also national condom month, which is a very popular contraceptive option for couples. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's self-explanatory. I mean, we all know what a condom does, right? It helps to know, prevent people that they just be in a, a well in rural Maine that doesn't know what it mm. is. Please explain to us. What a okay, what you're right. Let me not. I'm. I'm telling all myself. I'm telling. I'm expecting everybody hey, to know what a condom is, but there might be somebody that don't know what it is. Like they're wow. they, they just you know right, they go, right. You know, yeah. So for the listeners who do not know what a condom is, right, it is this rubber, usually rubber, latex, non-latex options that you will put on your penis when you are having intercourse with a girl. In order to prevent pregnancies, also there's so, female condoms too, by the way, and there also is female condom options as well. Thank you, Aldwin. And so it's cheap, it's simple to to use, and so it's actually probably one of the most effective ways that a person can um, prevent pregnancy, according to Healthline. From 2007 to 2017, the usage of usage of condoms among U.S. high school population decreased, actually, from 62 percent to 54 percent. So it's like it's effective, it's cheap, it's it's accessible, but apparently there has been a decline in its usage. Now, whether this is due to other forms of um, contraceptions that people are choosing to use, like birth control, um, mm-hmm. the pill, the IUD, IUD. the copper, the, um, the copper, uh, I think it's called, um, the one that you insert in your right. arm, or next, next one on, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe that's why it's declining, but I, I also don't know if high school students are getting on those forms at that age. So I wonder if it's just the fact that we're not educating the youth enough about condoms. Um, however, we all know that the 
only 100% reliable way of preventing any form of STDs, unwanted pregnancies, is abstinence. And that includes avoiding oral, anal, and vaginal sex. I'm going to ignore the sound that you made, but I will let you... (laughs) But I will let you tell our listeners... You know, what else do you want to add about why we should care about National Condom? Is it actually, let me correct it. So it's actually National Condom Week. Yes. It is National Condom Week, which goes from February 14th to February 21st. And we are recording February 21st. So it is actually the very last day of National Condom Week. Just want to make that clarification. But go ahead, Aldi. Um, I mean, you hit everything on the nail. I think even regards to when I look back, in high school, we didn't have any sex ed classes. I mean, I went to all boys school, but regardless mm-hmm. of whether you're a male, female, um, we're, we're in a growing society where STDs can kill you. Mm-hmm. Uh, STDs like HIV, which can then develop to AIDS, syphilis, you could get neurosyphilis, tabes, dorsalis. You get all these conditions that we learn in medical school. Gonorrhea, you know, can cause um, pelvic inflammatory disease. Right. So um, these are de- and just because you don't see that, like because on a common day to day, right, a lot of the SCDs, SCDs, they don't show and manifest with the person that you walk across, like you come across, right, or someone 100%. you're in a relationship with. A lot of them are very silent. It's not until you start experiencing symptoms that you're like, oh, now I need to like make sure everything is good because a lot of times they stay in your system. And before you know it, they're, they're causing wreck and, and havoc. So I think it's beautiful that we're having these conversations about National Condom, Condom Week. Uh, another thing to, to even note is that uh, when we speak on even uh, our capabilities of educating our youth, I think we have to do a better job of doing that. Because regardless of what we say as adults, the youth, they're going to be youth and they're going to be doing their thing. You know, when I was young, mm-hmm. I'm doing my thing. And you are what you see, you are what you hear. And if you're not hearing it, and I feel like we try to be absent-minded. Oh, they're, they're innocent. And nah, bro, these youth, they getting in. Like, think about social media accessibility. They seeing, you know, people twerking, showing off, doing this and that. Like, people's mm-hmm. getting hypersexualized before they need to be hyper. I mean, I saw in the shade room uh, yesterday, there's a little girl, uh, her mom hired her to, you know, help out with doing, um, you know, like, uh, like, uh, Cutting the, um, you know, private parts and all that. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And she got like a case on her. But anyway, regardless, waxing. Yeah, waxing. Regardless, uh, the case of the matter is that uh, please, guys, protect yourself. Be safe. Just because you don't see the long-term sequelae today doesn't mean that it can't manifest. And there's a lot of diseases that we don't know about that you can transmit. Whether you're a sex worker, whether you're in medical school, these diseases, they do not discriminate. You know, they they will manifest when they want to manifest if you don't protect yourself appropriately so we have been in this medical space for some time now um i think we have really crossed all our t's and dotted all our i's with making sure that our listeners understand that it's important to practice safe sex it's important to care about your heart and couples match is it is something that um is going to take an extra step but it's people have had success with it. And as long as you do your research, it's very feasible. But I think, you know, with all that being said, um, there is other things going on outside of our own private bubble. The entertainment industry right now has experienced another black female rap beef that it hasn't experienced for some time now. Um, I think the one that was most significant was maybe at least the one I can remember is maybe um, Cardi and Nikki um, mm-hmm. as the most recent. Well, Nikki's still having beef with people, right? And she's trying it this time with Megan the Stallion. So um, I, I want to be different here and let you tell me what you think, because I feel like I want to start this conversation off with somebody who may have less of an investment in such <laughs> a turbulent situation. So you, Aldwin, where I know that Nikki and Meg are not people that you necessarily probably have on your playlist 24-7. What has been your perspective of their of, <laughs> of their beef? It was crazy because in 2019 they had that that anthem, Hot Girl Summer, 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Nicki Minaj and Megs, they was like besties. And then now it's like four or five years almost later, like y'all popping off. Like for what reason? Like we got to be having black excellence, black celebration. The caddy stuff got to go out the window. Like we in 2024. Mm-hmm. Of course, they want y'all to be in that position where y'all going against each other, where y'all crit- criticizing each other, y'all enemies. But this is the problem with black society and black communities that we're not working together. We see each other as enemies and we're working for the man rather than working for ourselves and thinking independently. Now, with that being said, the controversy is, you know, benefiting both of them because people checking their music out, you know, they making, they tapping in. Nicki Minaj, Mm. um, you know, obviously she, you know, she dropped the album a couple months ago and then Megan Thee Stallion, you know, she dropped a a recent signal, a, a single called Hiss. Um, which, mm-hmm. you know, um, cre- you know, made a couple targets, you know, uh, we could mm-hmm. say either or was it Meg or was it, you know, Nikki that started, but we could probably say Meg started it. And she took mm-hmm. some, some okay. she, took, she took a hit at, uh, uh, Nikki Minaj and her husband, Kenneth Petty, who has been notoriously known for, uh, being, uh, individual involved with sexual assault and, uh, potentially rape, I believe in, uh, California. Uh, in the 90s. But, like, they pulled up to uh, Megan Thee Stallion's mom's grave and they were you know, starting to yep. it to the point where mm-hmm. the cemetery called the police and was like, yo, y'all gotta, like, do something about this. Like, y'all right. fucking out, bro. Like, y'all walling out. Like, y'all, y'all, like, desecrating. Y'all that, like, infatuated with a figure that you will do something so unholy and so disrespectful. Right. To, right. and, and, and the thing is, Megan uh, um, Stallion's mom was one of her inspirations into going to music. Yeah. One thing, you know, and so the, I just I just hate to see it for a black woman. It's creating a bad, uh, bad outlet, a bad perception of how black women need to interact. Like, yeah. we need to love. We need to cherish each other. Like, I, I want to see more of that. I want to see more collabs. Like, y'all both phenomenal artists in your own do I listen to y'all like that? No, nah, not really. Y'all not for me, but y'all for a lot of black women and a lot of women in general and the black and black women empowerment, feminism and all that. And now y'all taking away from everything y'all doing. And especially the thing that's like really hurting me is like we got two generations. Nikki been out since like the, you know, early to late 2000s and um, Megan Thee Stallion been out like the last four or five years. She really got popping off. Like mentorship, like what's going, like what's up with that, bro? Like mm. y'all shouldn't, y'all a whole generation apart. So this catty petty stuff is just unnecessary. Like get on the phone, call each other, and be like, yo, what's up? Like I, you got beef? Like throw the hand, whatever. Like, but don't like come out here and like do this because it's it just doesn't look bad for a black woman. And we already know black woman is one of the most vilified, villainized, and hated in society. And y'all just exacerbating what's going on in the perception of the world. I'm glad you started off. I'm very glad you started off with your opinions because I have a lot of context to provide on the beef. Mm. Who is at fault? Who started the beef? And who is notorious with always having issues with people in the industry time and time and time again? Now, for the first, the last four or five years, have we seen Meg in tussling with any, any other artist who she hasn't? Okay. Yep. Now with Nikki, how many artists have we seen her tussle with since she's come out? A lot. She yeah, a lot, a lot. Up. Yeah, oh, I'm glad. Yes, I'm yeah, glad you made that discovery. Yeah. So we know when someone continuously has issues with people in the industry, it kind of speaks to their character. And I think when it's a pattern of people saying the same things, we have to kind of pay attention, right? Listen, yeah. I was I listened to Itty Bitty Piggy. I was a Nikki Stan growing up. I mean, she's a part of the Young Money Cash Money generation. I was, yeah. uh, you know, in wow. that era. Mm-hmm. I remember all of it. I remember Bedrock. I remember when Drake before he got the Not the bad. BBL and the and the abs implant. Oh. I remember all of that. Yeah, like Drake had so, a BBL. Are you all right? <laughs> listen, uh, listen, listen, listen. Everything is allegedly right. So allegedly. So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna be alleged. I'm not gonna say. I mind you, I'm a Drake Stan. No one, you can't make me hate Drake. I'm saying this as somebody who loves Drake a lot. But at the end of the day, did this man have work done on him? Allegedly, right? So okay, I'm yeah. a part of that era. So my thing is, though, Nikki has the upper hand of being um, in the, being a, like notable for so long compared to Meg. She has the, the leverage. She has the connections and all that stuff. But yes, but for some reason, she oh, she doesn't seem to use that as a way to uplift women from what I've seen with her time being there. Cardi 
you know, is somebody that she could have made that, um, uh, that impression with or, or had that, um, level of interaction with. For some reason, they didn't gel. Okay. The, the Barbie still stood with, with, uh, Nikki, right? She mm-hmm. had issues with Remy, Remy Ma, who technically is her, is her elder, but she still That's felt the conference have, you know, have issues with Remy Ma and Remy Ma ate her up in Sheether. Okay. Ate she her up. Body. Left that. no crumbs. Yes. And Nikki, came out with something that she needed support from two rappers and they didn't even really diss Remy. So it's like, and then we have to also bring up little Kim, yeah, little Kim. Listen, there would be no Nicki Minaj with any little Kim. Little Kim is the one that started That's off good. the whole colorful outfits, yep. like the, the animated, like that was little Kim. I don't care if she's not relevant now, there would be no Nicki Minaj with no little Kim, but for some reason too, right. Nicki had issues with her too. So it's like, I've been seeing this pattern with her always having problems, always having problems. And it's like, I won't deny she's a talented artist. I never said that Nicki cannot rap, but let's be honest. Nicki gets afraid when she is toe to toe with somebody who actually has more talent than her. Megan, if you have listened to her freestyles, Megan actually raps she's not just here to you know put on a cute little outfit and shake her butt she does that too but if you listen to her freestyle she really really does this rap thing and i wish that she could show that more in most of her mainstream music but i think hiss was a good way to show her actual lyricism some of those lines in that song the megan's law verse that's gonna go down in history as one of the coldest verses ever period most people did never knew that Megan Law even existed until Meg put that in her song. That girl's mind is different. So my thing is that I feel like Megan is one of those few female rappers that can actually go toe-to-toe with Megan and possibly beat her. And I think Nikki's afraid of that. And I think that because of that, she 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 um targets people who she knows could be better than her and she doesn't uplift them. And we see that too with Lotto. Lotto also had um issues yeah. with Nikki. And Lotto actually had you know, commended Nikki before saying, Oh, I look up to Nikki. I always said good things about her, but for some reason, Nikki still tried to pick at Lotto and mm-hmm. Nikki, you know, didn't, didn't really gel with her like that. And I think also too, just to kind of summarize it is that we, we just see that in this female rap industry, like you said, it's important for black women to uplift each other for black women, black women to support each other. And it's kind of unfortunate that that's not what's being shown. Um, we need to we need to make sure that we're encouraging healthy behaviors amongst black women in the industry mm-hmm. and i don't condone anybody who bullies or antagonizes just because they feel like they they're against somebody who maybe could have if not the same or better more talent than them and i think that's the situation that happened with nikki and um meg the stallion but i think it's important to highlight aldi about the meg and nikki beef Mm -hmm. the biggest part of the beef that nikki took offense to was the megan's law verse and Mm -hmm. it is known that her husband is a registered sexual offender you already stated some of the allegations that he has against him i don't really know the man or care enough to divulge on his whole history but i do think that it's important as a medical podcast that we highlight the fact that rape sexual assault any forms of sexual abuse or sexual violence is not condoned on this podcast and i would like to inform our listeners what megan's law actually is because a lot of people didn't know what that law was before they heard it on the song so megan's law is the name of a federal law in the united states which requires law enforcement authorities to make information available to the public regarding registered sex offenders the laws were created in response to the murder of megan kamka So Megan, she was a seven-year-old girl who was raped and killed by a known child molester who had moved across the street from the family without their knowledge. And so in the wake of that tragedy, her parents sought to have local communities warned about sex sex offenders in the area. Um, What are your thoughts just kind of about Megan's law? Um, I think that is necessary needed. And one of the things people don't even know is that um, I actually, I watch a lot of predator videos just because I want to, understand like on youtube it sounds crazy but on youtube i watch a lot of people that actually uh, pretend to be young adults or young children or teens to catch mm-hmm. a lot of these predators and a lot of times they be people that's like uncles people with children people that you wouldn't even necessarily think about being those positions that will take advantage of our youth and mm-hmm. um i think there's something to say about how do we protect our youth but how do we you know, regard them as important as they need to be. The same thing with the education system. Like, I feel like our youth aren't, but now when we see social media, we have cyberbullying, harassment, all these other things. But a lot of people use social media to pred- pre- uh, to engage in predation toward mm-hmm. our, our young. 
And so what are the barriers that we have for, for these individuals? And we have to realize that we have to look at the signs psychologically, physically in our children to ensure that they don't experience this trauma. I mean, there's mm-hmm. statistics that show one in four uh, women under the age of uh, 17 have some form of sexual assault, abuse, rape that they experience, right? Mm-hmm. And many people go through it that aren't able to vocalize it. And what does that do to you as you progress toward an adult, right? You can engage in the same behavior. You can be, you know, uh, less receptive to engage in a relationship or you can be permissive. There's so many different things that happen from the trauma of these things happening. And I love that this law is manifesting because when you actually, you have to really go out your way to find out like who are the sexual predators like in your neighborhood. And I actually did that one time I did a search and I was surprised mm. by the number of people that's just directly in the Bronx, like within like a mile, two mile radius that are sexual wow. predators that you don't even know. You saying what up to, you giving them a dap and these dudes, they serve like four or five years in, wow. you know, in prison. You know what I'm saying? And the other part is, what is the rehabilitation? What is the consequence that are manifesting from doing those things? So our kids, like we have people in jail and prison for 20 years for marijuana offenses, but they change someone's life significantly. And what happens? And I'm going to talk about a personal story uh, because I know I'll be transparent. I have a family member in in Cameroon currently, um, 11-year-old niece that I've not met because I have a lot of family members, but my mom was telling me that she was sexually assaulted and raped by an older family member. And the family is like, yo, trying to figure out like how to not. I'm like, yo, call the police, bro. I don't care who the dude is. It could be my father. It could be my cousin. Yo, he dead to me, bro. If I see him, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not yeah. with that. You know what I mean? Like, we got to protect yeah. our children. So I feel like that is a part of a lot of these scenarios that these things happen and Families be like, nah, just, you know, that's not real. That's not really happening. Go do a physical exam and you see what's happening. Like, you know, kids are not going to lie about these scenarios. And a lot of people try to conceal mm-hmm. it because of shame and things of that nature, too. So it'd be the closest people that engage in this type of behavior that it, it just makes it so disgusting. And I'm going to shock for, for words a lot of times. A hundred percent. Thank you for that. And yeah. But we're talking about Super Bowl 2024, 49ers and Chiefs. Shout out to the G-Men who didn't make the playoffs. And, you know, I got to give them a shout out, though. They trash. But my Knicks might oh. make it. But one of the hottest headlines from Super Bowl, which is everything and everything that anybody ever watches, because a lot of people don't even watch the Super Bowl for the football game. They watch it for the commercials. But in specific this year, they watched it for Ursha, Ursha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Usher. That Super Bowl performance was Liddy. You know, some he played mm-hmm. songs Caught Up. You don't have to call Superstar. Love and You don't school. have to call. It's Ooh. okay, girl. Cause I'm a oh my gosh, that song that brings me back. <laughs> and then Ain't Got You by uh sung by Alicia Keys. <laughs> Mm. Um, now what was he doing what was he doing with alicia what was he doing with her because this this woman is happily married happily wine, married wine with waste, wine to waste man real quick that's what he was doing he was <laughs> oh enjoying this oh but, honestly, <laughs> yo, speaking that was like the hot take for the night when i first seen that i'm like nah yo after that me and usher we gotta have to we might have to have a talk brody because right I, that's my my wife is married and and shout out to swiss beast man my Bronx brother, he's doing a lot of great things. Actually, shout out to them. They actually, uh, they have a um, black uh, black artist museum uh, that's going on at the Brooklyn Museum currently. So if you're in uh, New York, oh, please, cool. make sure you check it out. Shout out to them. But regardless, uh, Swiss Beast came on Instagram and was like, yo, that's my wife. Like, yo, y'all taking it too serious. Like, she's coming back home to me, basically. Like, y'all Period. He said, I know my <laughs> wife's body, though. I know my wife's body. We love it. <laughs> Ooh, nah, that's a fact. And Usher got his own thing going on. He got married. <laughs> he got married uh, during the after, <laughs> after the Super Bowl. But, uh, you, you don't want to shout. You don't want to shout her out. You don't want to shout out Usher's new new wifey. I or name, so I don't know. <laughs> Now, apparently, apparently Usher was talking about he was still heartbroken from Chile and that breakup. I'm like, dude, you cheated on this woman. What are you? What's the confusion? So I don't know. Maybe another one. They just did the same thing. But anyway. Mm, Interesting. 
But anyway, yeah. regardless, we, you, we're, we're talking about the Super Bowl. Yes. Uh, sorry, Usher. You know, I'm, I'm happy for you. Do your thing. But I do think that it was one of the more phenomenal performances, certainly, you know, with the, you know, uh, eclecticness, electricity, yeah. you know, having Alicia Keys pull up. Um, even though she ain't, her vocals wasn't hit in the beginning too. Like people was getting Ooh, at her. And everyone keeps saying that. Oh my gosh, y'all let y'all take it easy on my sis Alicia. Okay, she I has the hit. Alicia's from New okay. York. So, you know, yeah. uh, they re-edited. I don't know if you saw, but they actually re-edited her vocals. I don't know. They probably did AI for that, but they re-edited mm. like her vocals versus when in live versus when they put it on the NFL channel. Like yeah, a clip on Instagram was completely different. I don't know if you've oh, seen Oh, wow. It. Yeah. I didn't even see that difference. That's crazy. I got to check it out. I didn't know they changed it up. I mean, like I said, Alicia, she still got the vocal. She could, maybe she had a bad, maybe her throat, she didn't do the proper warm up or she forgot to drink water. I mean, there's so many explanations as to why the first vote note wasn't really hitting the way it should yeah. hit, but she's proven that she's an artist. So we can, we can let that That's slide. Cool. Um, yeah. And he had yeah. um, her, he had uh, Will I Am, Ludacris, Lil John, and uh, mm-hmm. Jamie Pull Up, which is a, a, a talented. Um, uh, ass- ass- assembly of artists, and I love that now. Like even like last year, you know, uh, Snoop Bart brought like Dre, Fifty, and all of that, which is like I mean, like dope. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's like phenomenal that we're having uh, so many of these collaborations happen. I think it was great to just have Usher bring us back to that era where he was really mm-hmm. hot and popping with his songs. And Usher's been having a great That's year, from what I can see. He- he's been having a great year, like literally. He has done his residency concerts and everything. And, you know, he, he's been in some controversial things, too, with the Kiki Palmer situation. But we already saw where that went. I mean, Nowhere. the mom said some alleged things about Usher, but he's with wifey, though. So I don't know. Like, now I'm confused. Like, I don't know what's going on in that industry anymore. But um, I think it was great that um, we ended off the Super Bowl with another black artists performing putting on that work some people have said that he's probably gave it like a he's kind of the male version of beyonce i'm not too sure about that but i think that usher is a trusted name in the industry and we can give him his props so shout out to usher on an amazing super bowl for performance and yeah it was great to see i had a great time watching it Usher is usher but one thing that we do know is that usher doesn't have to worry about what we'll be talking about next on the financial corner. Ooh, because he got that money. He okay. Got that money. I'm sure, yo, I need that bread, son. Like, Period. I wish I on God, I wish I had a voice. But regardless, <laughs> right now, uh, uh, today, uh, we recently saw that Biden um, will be forgiving 153,000 student loan borrowers. Yes, I did see that. My financial corner heads, what does this mean? Does it mean anything for you guys that's in medical school or you pre-med students? Well, the realities are most likely not. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you going to trash? Why you have to trash their dreams like that? You have to trash their dreams. Like you could have let them let them ride on that potential. My dream, man. I'm in the 90th percentile with debt, bro. I've been talking on this podcast, a storm from left to right since 1999, since the Air Max has pulled up the retros, man. Like. Okay. announced $1.2 billion of student relief for 150,000 borrowers, and he said that he will be emailing them, but okay, you're going to mm. email Man, email me, man. <laughs> Pull up in my email, yo. I swear, I'll, yo, yo, I will vote for you, Biden, and I will get my whole hood to vote for you if you forget my loans. If you You've been having issues with Biden since, since this man became president, I swear. I swear this <laughs> We're going to talk about this this student loan debt. Um, So I think this is, honestly, uh, this is a way for him to connect back to his source of Mm. young voters because they're seeing that a lot of young voters aren't as interested in this uh, election cycle. And what we're seeing is with this is that uh, those who are enrolled with the Biden new loan repayment program, uh, if they initially borrow $12,000 or less, and have been paying, repaying their debt for at least 10 years, they're automatically forgiven, which is, <laughs> you can't make this up because the average <laughs> the average amount of debt that people take out from college is over $20,000. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. At least at minimum. 
And we're talking about repaying for 10 years. Who's repaying $12,000 for 10 years, Brody? Like, that's like a specific, yeah, 150,000 150, people it applies to. But 150,000 out of the millions, no, you're not really doing nothing. You know, they say right. that says that it has now approved loan discharges totaling nearly $138 billion for nearly 3.9 million borrowers. Sorry, this doesn't include us medical students or residents or pre-meds in most of the cases, right? Um, right. And if you want to hear the email that you sent, congratulations, all or a portion of your federal student loans will be forgiven because you qualify for early loan forgiveness under my administration's save plan. This is directly from the email message, which I checked my email. I checked all four of my emails. I didn't get that, but I was hoping. You just never know. You <laughs> ain't pull up. Yeah, what it is, man. Yeah. Um, but regardless, um, how I feel about this, I think that this is just a ploy for him to get more people um, into voting for him in this upcoming election. It's not necessarily doing a dent. His, he has specific promises, but what we know with a lot of politicians is that they make promises that they can't maintain or upheld for a variety of reasons, sometimes due to political reasons, sometimes due to financial reasons. Sometimes due to that is not a priority for them. And we're seeing even... There's a question about Biden's mental state, and this is not a you know point uh, for the financial corner. But I will say that I need my 12, 15k forgiven. Stop playing mm. with it. Don't play with it. Don't play with it. Don't play with it, Biden. Right. And with that being said, I'm sorry, my uh, fellow uh, people in the medical environment. I do believe that in the next couple months we may get something. I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic. But if not, continue paying them loans, bro. 60% of people who actually uh, <clears throat> have received federal loans are paying, and there's 40% that have not yet paid. But that's in due part to the fact that over this last year, uh, you will not be penalized on your credit if you don't pay because they gave a year grace period. So if you haven't right. paid your student loans as of yet, don't feel sad. But I think that better things are to come because I'm optimistic, but they probably not going to come. But all right. So with that being said, financial corner is ended. Um, shout out to all of y'all working hard to be the doctors you want to be or in residency or wherever you are in the process. Um, just know that nothing is guaranteed in this life, but loans and death. And I don't want to see I don't want to be somber and pessimistic. But the realities are that you are the one that can guarantee your abilities to uh, forgive yourself of your loan, and you can't rely on any president, federal structure, city structure. Mm -hmm. If it comes, it comes, but if it doesn't, it doesn't. And at the end of the day, there are other ways in which you could uh, allay some of the loans through public health uh, service forgiveness program, through working you know, um, with uh, collaborative organizations. There's also people that have, give signing bonuses for um, coming on to their specific organizations or working in a private practice that you use toward loans, et cetera. So um, the end is not the end. And I believe that everything will manifest the, the way that it needs to manifest. So just do your research, keep in tune and make sure you pay them loans soon after June, 2024, because there will be repercussions to that if you are outside of medical school and you have loans coming through. So. Period. Another financial, successful financial corner by the doctor himself, Dr. Aldwin. Well, we talked about a lot. This was a jam-packed February episode, but I'm so grateful that we were able to sit and just discuss the month at large. So to our listeners, that is our show. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of The Lounge. Let us know your thoughts about the discussions we had or ask us a question. A chance to be featured on the show at a podcast at snma.org. And be sure to follow the SNMA on all our social media platforms to stay up to date on upcoming events. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you next episode. Here we holla at y'all. Be safe. Love. Peace.